We are, or I am, in the second service or the second message from our Pentecost series called The Spirit of the Covenant. That is why we have all these umbrellas out here and in the hallway. The umbrellas represent the idea that God's covenant, His promises protect us. They keep us safe. They keep us secure. And we have that image as our visuals to remind ourselves. So whenever in the last two weeks, when you were going in and out of your house, your cars, buildings and stuff, how many of you used umbrellas to transfer between one place and the other? I like to get wet. I think there's going to be a limit to that sometime in my life, but it hasn't gotten there yet. So I do not use, I have two, but I don't know where they're at. So I do like to get wet. Uh, so I was enjoying the, the, the weather, the so, so powerful movement of God's weather, and that is just a soft pedal of God's power. Imagine that. So the Spirit of God is the person of the Trinity who Jesus and the Father sent from heaven to dwell, live, hang out with us. The Spirit of God is the person of God that has the indwelling in us. I remember when I shared this, and Gaston was flabbergasted with the idea that it was the only religion that we teach in the whole world that actually says that God comes and lives with you. Remember that? And all the other times we were thinking of placing God out there, placing God out there. God's out there, I'm here. So I have a religious time and a secular time. No, you don't. 724, 365, God's presence is in us. And the first part of my reading is going to illustrate why that had to happen, why Jesus went, why the Spirit came. This first section of my reading is going to be called the Doctrine of the Ascension. Christ had to ascend so the Spirit would come. And this is how it says, listen to and for the word of the Lord. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. The one who, the, and, not the one, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you're grieving because of what I have told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. The disciples were very tied up to Jesus and they were very dependent, so they were not comfortable. Now that they have lost him once to death and he has come back to life, now Jesus is living again. Come on. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. The advocate is the Holy Spirit. Him is the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world of sin is that it is refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, meaning that he is triumphant. And you will see me no more, and judgment will come because the ruler of this world, listen to this, has already been judged, past tense. And then Jesus tells his disciples, there is so much more I want to tell you. But you can't bear it now. Listen to this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak of his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. Another translation say, he will tell you what he knows of me, of Jesus. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. That's Jesus. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So the Spirit, the Word of the Lord. So the Spirit of God, one of its ministries, one of its main duties, one of what we would call in theology the economy of the Trinity, the, the work of that third person of the Trinity is to dwell in us, to come here, dwell in us, and guide us to the truth, to all truth. Now, where in the text is the Spirit of God drawing the truth from? From God Himself. Whatever the Spirit hears from me, He will tell you. So the Spirit of God's duty is to remind us of the words of Jesus. Now, how do you have, how do you remember the words of your mother? Well, I do because they were prefaced by Edwin Giovanni Gonzalez Gertz. Remember that one? So I remember those words. Why? Because I heard them. I intentionally paid attention to them, meaning I heeded them. And thirdly, because I pay attention because they became part of because I heeded them, they became part of me. Right? I can still hear my grandmother every time I have a Bible. Don't put anything on top of the Bible. I still hear her. And you see me here working with that sometimes. Because I'm hearing her back here. That is exactly how the Holy Spirit draws from Jesus and brings it into you. But the key phrase here, or the key element here is that you must have to have the words of Jesus in your brain. You get that? It ain't going to be pulled out of nowhere and out there in the sky and put in you because it doesn't work that way. You must have had to have listened to the Word. You must have had to take heed to the Word. You must have had to ponder, meditate, struggle with the Word. And then it becomes part of you. And then that's how the Spirit will lead you into all truth because the Spirit's truth is Jesus' truth. Last week, I was talking about that God's energy, or two weeks ago, that God's energy has been dedicated, has been thrusted, has been geared, has been focused to bring well-being to God's people. And that this creation of God, and that God is forming a new people that's called the church. And that this church is embodied by and mysteriously and gracefully inhabited by the Spirit. Ezekiel reminds us, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow. Today I would like to talk about something, uh, the same idea of the spirit of truth. But even though each one of us, and this happens to each one of us, even though each one of us distorts, accommodates, or domesticate the person and message of Jesus Christ, it is still possible 
that through hard, honest, and intentional yielding to the Spirit of truth, we can reclaim the true Jesus or a truer Jesus, more authentic Jesus in Scripture, and thus carry out ministry in a very authentic way for God's glory. In other words, we all have distortions of Jesus. When I was growing up then, I used to think Jesus was my matchmaker. Lord, I like that girl. Give me her phone number. <laughs> Never happened. Mm, Lord, why don't we, you know, let's create a situation where I can... <laughs> selfish, wasn't it? Childish, selfish. So at that time, Jesus was my, was my matchmaker. I got away from that because I wasn't behaving anyway. I didn't want Jesus around my matchmaking after a while. But we all have that tendency to take Jesus and mold Jesus to our liking, to our professions, to our needs, and that's a distortion. And by taking the person of Jesus and making that person and that message what we want for our convenience, what we want for our lives, what we want for our future, is a distortion of the real Jesus. We sometimes tend to think of Jesus as my ATM. And we only think of God when we need money and when we have situations where money is needed. Some of us tend to only think of Jesus when we need food. And thus Jesus becomes a supermarket. I remember one day going to a supermarket and a lady in front of me was going to pay with leaves, green leaves from the tree outside. Because she was told that if she had enough faith, some God will honor that faith, and she would get what she needed. Well, it worked for her, because I stood behind her. It wasn't that good, okay? I needed to move on. And it was a small stuff. It was less than $10. Sister, the Lord has heard you. Put it on mine. Move on. She interpreted differently. She got her faith and she got her little groceries. I was behind her. Sometimes we go to Jesus when we just are sick. And that's the only time that we remember Jesus. Now, sometimes the distortions of Jesus are so subtle that we don't even realize them. For example... The one big distortion that I'm going to be talking about now is, uh, give me a slide, uh, is a distortion on how, another one, on how we tend to, to, to domesticate Jesus through our patriotism. Oh, I'm going to step on a lot of toes here on purpose because that's a heresy. When we talk about Jesus as being American, that's a heresy. Jesus doesn't favor one country over the other. Did you know that? Did you know that? So when we claim that we, because we're American, we're very blessed by God. Yes, we are, but it's not because God favors us. It's because we've done it on our own. We claim it's God. But a nationalism religion is always a heresy. When you hear have people who stand in the radio with a constitution in one side, the Bible, you know, that's a heresy. 
That's what happened in Germany in the 1930s. I wasn't around, but I read the stories. It is a heresy to confuse the kingdom of God with America. It's a heresy. It's not biblical. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of God. It has nothing to do with a country. Do you understand that? It has nothing to do with the USA. It has nothing to do with France, Canada, Mexico. None of that. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of God. And even the spirit of truth leads us to that. Because the way the kingdom of God functions is not the way America pretended at one time to function. You see, I hear some of us saying that America is a Christian country. No, it has never been. A Christian country would have never supported the kind of slavery that it supported. That doesn't happen. A Christian country does not promote the hate, the division, because the spirit of truth leads us to unity, to oneness in Christ. See the difference? The one does not lead to the other. The values of America were once very Christian. Maybe during my grandparents' idealism age. But that's not where we're living today. That's not what my Hispanic pastors are experiencing in the churches when officials of the government take legal U.S.-issued documents and break them and deport the person because they don't want the person here. Well, they're illegal here. That happened. When in the border, when families are approaching the border through the legal process, now we have an administrative policy that we're going to separate children from families forever as a deterrent. The Spirit of God leads us to compassion and love. And that is why when patriotism gets in between, it does not do the justice of God. The Christian Social Party in Germany in the 1930s voted Hitler to power. And Hitler began to talk about the hate of Jews. Then he began to talk about the hate of people who were mentally ill. Then he began to talk about hate to those who were not normals. He was referring to gays and lesbians. Then they came for those who were Germans but did not agree. And Mr. Mueller would say, when they came for me, there was nobody else to talk about or to speak out for me. The spirit of truth leads us to oneness, to a world where we can be one together with our differences, and they do not divide us. Because there is something greater in Jesus, in the fact that God comes to us and God wants us to be one. That's why Jesus died. Jesus did not die so that you could go to heaven. That's not what the gospel of teaches. That is a benefit. Jesus died so that out of many, the wall that divided everybody would be broken. And now in the kingdom of God, with the values of compassion, with the values of acceptance, with the value of unity, with the value that we are all human beings, loved, chosen by God, so that God's Spirit will dwell in each one of us. Do you see that? 
Is that what we're hearing out there? We've never heard it before, so why are we surprised? It's just it's louder now. It's louder now. Okay? So truth matters because truth matters to God. Can you imagine if we did not believe that truth matters, who would believe in God? Who would trust even in God if truth didn't matter? So truth matters to all of us who are believers because we believe that the Word of God and that Jesus, when Jesus says, I love you, we believe He does love us. When Jesus says He's coming for us, we believe that. When Jesus says His Spirit is with us, we believe that. When He says we are forgiven, we believe that. So when He says we are one, do we believe that? When He says we are to be one and show the world something different, are we doing that? I think we are. To a large degree. Truth matters not only in our religious experience, but truth matters in relationships. Uh, married couples, does truth matter in relationships? It should matter to a lot degree. That's why when you confide with the other one, you trust. Listen what happens. When the truth is there, trust is birthed. Because truth begets trust. The truth of Jesus reminds us to love and not to hate. The truth of Jesus informs us to care for the poor and to help them move up. Not to keep them there because they're poor. The truth of Jesus informs us, reminds us to be welcoming, not hateful of the other. The truth of Jesus tells us to be compassionate and forgiving, not resentful and scared of what are they going to do for, against us. The truth of Jesus leads us. Oh, the other way. <laughs> the truth of Jesus guides us to all truth. And, and, and then Jesus says, I am the way. What else was in that statement? The truth. And the, so if Jesus, if the Spirit of God is going to lead us to all truth, where is that truth to be found? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if the Spirit is going to guide me to all truth, the Spirit is going to guide me to Jesus to Jesus' ways, to Jesus' lives. And that's not comfortable because it's sacrificial. But see where the truth lies? It is Jesus guiding us to build community and not to destroy community. So here at Light of Hope, we, 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 it flies in the face when we hear about all that division. But we are committed to bring into this community, I am committed to bring into your life, the idea that God has called us to celebrate diversity through unity in Christ. And this unity is very, very costly. Even though each of us can distort, yeah, we can distort and accommodate and domesticate the person of Jesus and His message, it is possible that through an honest Intentional yielding to the spirit of truth, we can reclaim the Jesus of the Scripture. John also threw out this fascinating statement. If anyone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. Ooh. 
Because how can you love God that you don't see and hate the brother or sister that you see? Who's persecuting who? We think the persecution doesn't take place here. No, it does take place here. 60% of my Hispanic friends are Christians. And they're being deported. They're being persecuted. Even with legal papers. Doesn't matter. Who's persecuting these Christians? Other Christians who support the immorality that's going on? Now you see how Christians are persecuting Christians? White evangelicals persecuting Hispanic Christians. It's happening. I didn't know it was happening. I'm privileged. I'm here. I am. We don't experience it here when families are being torn apart from a church. I will show you the truth. And the truth will make you free. It is necessary for us as believers in this world to really be discerning on the Christ that we're following. The next one. Because Jesus is the truth. Then he also said, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Look at the Pinocchio golf. <laughs> They're all growing noses, but one stepped out. <laughs> Just thought that was unique. Pinocchio uh, goldfish is over there. And the truth will make us free. Free to love. Free to welcome. Free to be one. Free to really witness of the Jesus that came to bring us together and not tear us apart. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that you bring us to unity. We thank you that your word sometimes is difficult for us to even hear, but it's there. Thank you for the night of struggle on how to do this one. Thank you for the spirits that are listening, and thank you for the hearts of my sisters and brothers who struggle with truth because your truth is real. And you told us that you wanted us to live in your truth. And thus we do that. We thank you for the covenant that your spirit moves us into. We thank you that you called us before even the foundation of the world, as your word says. And you bring us into a family. You bring us into a family even in baptism when we are not able to recognize what we're doing. And then you create moments where we actually can be with you and you are with us. We thank you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.